Hello, welcome to the Daily Cron for Wednesday, June 5th, 2019. Day 3 of WWDC, and I am continuing to have a blast checking out the session videos, playing around on my Mac with Xcode 11, and uh, just looking at the future of Apple development. And it looks great, actually. So I'm going to try to keep these relatively short, so let's get started. First things first, I actually got Swift UI to work on my machine. Uh, it wasn't hard, I just had to install Xcode 11. But that actually was not super easy because it took me a while. I, I kept getting an error about not having enough free space whenever I tried to open the download and install it, even though I had a lot of space. I don't know. Eventually, I deleted enough, I guess. It, it worked. And I got Xcode 11 running, and then I went into the uh, playground. And you can do this at home. Uh, and so if you don't have 10.1.5, Mac OS 10.1.5 install it, installed, you can't use all the live preview stuff that they demoed in SwiftUI. But you can use SwiftUI. Like, you can build an app with it. You just can't do it the way that they demo it. But if you want to play around with it real easily, create a playground, uh, and then import uh, playground support and SwiftUI, and then you make your struct, uh, you know, based upon the, the SwiftUI view. And then uh, you can do, do your thing in there. And then the only thing you have to do to get it to work is you new up that, uh, that SwiftUI view you created. And then you uh, you set the uh, you you create a UI hosting controller with that Swift UI view as the root view, and then you set that to be the playground pages live view, and then boom, it just appears right there. Every time you execute the playground, it will update the UI in the live view with your um, Swift UI view, and it works. So very cool. You can play around with it there. That's what I was doing today, and it's cool. So today I missed a lot of the sessions live, but but that's okay because there's there's a, a lot of them, and uh, it's probably more efficient for me to just go back and watch them, uh, you know, after the fact at like 1.5x or something, which is normally what I do. So we'll see. And I, I also had some some issues today with the uh, with the live stream, kind of messed things up, but that is okay. So what did what is of note today for me? Uh, a couple things I would say. Um, I missed the session on parameters for shortcuts, so I'm definitely going to check that out. But what I heard, that looks like I'm maybe solving a lot of the issues people had last year with not being able to do variables in shortcuts. And uh, I read that shortcuts now have this this mechanism to pass data directly between themselves between the apps, so that you won't have to use URL um, things anymore, which is really very very cool if that's the case. Because that whole mechanism of opening things with uh, the URLs, app URLs, has been around forever, and it's not the best thing for interoperating. But uh, that looks cool. So if you can pass data around like that, then that really makes the shortcuts feature, shortcuts app, super powerful, potentially. So I'm looking forward to checking that out. Um, So I missed a lot of other stuff. I did look at the dark mode stuff. Dark mode is actually way more thought through than you may realize. They even down to they they provide a palette of colors for you to use. They talk about how uh, you display the the color of black is different depending on where the view is in the hierarchy if it's overlapping something. And uh, I got a little pang of of dread in there a little bit about how how hard it may or may not be for me to update my existing app for it because I do things that they kind of say you shouldn't do. Like I have images in a table behind the table views as a background and. 
um, they don't want you. But if you have an app that's pretty much a standard UI kit stuff, and you're not using too many, you know, random weird weird images or colors in places, but you're using the you know the tin color that kind of thing, it should be relatively easy for you to get it to work. So that's that's cool. Dark mode's fun. I like dark mode. Uh, I missed some other stuff that I want to see about, about collection view layout and Swift UI essentials, but I'll go back to them. I did see the talk called Advances in UI Data Sources, which was another one of those talks, which I, I think is a big deal. And it talks about specifically for table views and collection view items, using a concept of like automatic diffing in order to uh, avoid synchronization bugs, essentially, between your data and your UI code. Because one of the issues, if you ever built you know, a table view controller or collection view controllers, and pretty much every iOS developer has, you have your data somewhere in some store. It could be a, an array, it could be a web service, it could be whatever, a database. And then you have to synchronize that to the user interface, i.e. the cells that are viewing on screen. And when the data changes, you want to update that stuff. And normally you'd want to do that with things like uh, batch, you know, these like perform batch updates. And, and you know, so it animates the insertion, deletion of cells and stuff. But that's actually really difficult to do often. And it's error prone. And you can very easily find yourself having a crashing bug just because, you know, something happened out of order and it's just difficult to reason about it sometimes when you have a lot of little, there's just so many moving parts of what it is. So the diffing structure, though, is really simple because you just create the snapshot, you put in the data that changed, and then you apply it. And that's it. And then all this stuff gets handled for you, even the animations. You can even do this on a background queue, which is awesome. And what happens if you do this, it'll do the calculation of the diff on the background queue and then switch over to the main queue to actually execute. Uh, so that's uh, you know awesome. They did say you have to be choose one or the other though. So if you're going to be doing this this uh, automatic diffing concept, you want to do it either always on a background queue or always on the main queue and not mix and match. But th- this uh, this is going to dramatically, I think, reduce the amount of code you write for this stuff. And more importantly, it's going to it's just so much simpler, and it completely avoids synchronization issues like. User interface data synchronization is a very hard topic. And I know for years in Philly Coca Group, we've had the Mac developers especially talk about how they don't, they miss not having bindings essentially uh, on, in, um, on iOS. So you'd have to go all this manual stuff in your app to synchronize data. So when data chains and you have to go and manually you know, update user interface, and, there's, and depending on what kind of user interface it was, you know, there's all these different kinds of APIs for that, and it's uh, it's not automatic, and it's error-prone, and boom, this kind of uh, looks like it's going to solve that, at least for collection views and table views. So that one is a really cool one, since collection views and table views are uh, among the most common user interface, uh, you know, views you're going to have in iOS apps. I think it's going to be a really big deal for a lot of people. I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, writing stuff with that in the future and not the old the old way. Uh, maybe I'll finally be able to fix some weird collection view bugs I have <laughs> that still haven't been able to to get working because they're they're obviously related to like timing issues, like where data is coming from and from web service and when it's, the UI has to update and that kind of thing. It's really subtle and hard to hard to reproduce and fix. So that one's a good one. And then uh, I wanted to watch the adopting Swift packages in Xcode one. I'm very interested in using the Swift package manager as a replacement for CocoaPods, and I want to see if that was available, if it's, like, mature enough to do that, because it has uh, what I saw from the Xcode talk yesterday, 
has a nice user interface for finding the stuff, installing it. I wanted to see also if they talk about how easy it is to actually create these things yourself. So I've never used the package manager from Swift before because it was mainly for um, server-side Swift, and I, don't, I haven't done that. But now it's integrated with Xcode. Very nice. I have nothing against CocoaPods. I use them, and I love them. But uh, it would be nice if there's another option, which is you know, platform-supported, uh, you know, Apple-supported in Xcode. So that would be really cool to try that out. Uh, but I didn't get to see it because the stupid live stream was with FUBAR and it kept, it kept showing the advances in UI data sources stream instead, kept switching back and forth. So I didn't get to see it, but I'll watch it later. So I, because I couldn't watch that, I watched the app distribution from ad hoc to enterprise, which was an interesting talk actually. Uh, so there was basically two things in this talk that were, that were actually interesting and might make it worthwhile for you to check out at least part of it. The one was they go through different scenarios of uh, of creating an app and just dis- distributing an app. There's different scenarios. So they talk about, um, for instance, an example would be if you're a freelancer and someone hires you to write an app for them. How do you like? How do you set that up in the app store? They have actual advice for this. They tell you that you should you should put it in the client's account. The client should cre- should uh, give your Apple ID, you know, your account particular roles, and they should keep other roles for themselves. And that's how you should divvy up the work. And they also have, uh, they go through scenarios like, how do you create, what about you distributing an app internally or distributing an app that's going to be used internally by another entity and not go through the app store? So they they talk about all these scenarios, even given table at the end, a decision table. (laughs) They go through to try to help you figure out like the four different ways of doing things like ad hoc and app store and enterprise. And then this new one, which it was other thing that was really interesting about this called custom apps, which Looks like it's going to replace most of the reasons you would be using the enterprise distribution system nowadays. So if, and apparently this is a mechanism that has existed before, but only for those people that were selling apps to another entity, but now everybody can access it. It's a little bit weird, but basically it lets you create an app that is only for your own organization's employees or only for some other organization's employees you're, you're building it for, but it, it, it does not go out to the general public. However, you can use the app store infrastructure to distribute it, which is nice. But it's a little weird because instead of going to the App Store app on your phone, you you instead can go through, you have to go through um, Business Manager or School Manager. And there are these backend websites that, that Apple provides. And there's some, there's some little gotchas in there. Like if you're going to build an app for some other company, that company has to be registered in Apple's backend system so that you can find their business information when you, in App Store Connect, associate the app, uh, uh, you know, set the app as a private business-to-business thing, sale. But then once all you do all this, this stuff, you basically are mostly using App Store Connect like you normally would and the, you know, developer stuff as you normally would. And then they log into this business manager system and then they can buy it there from you and it's, it's and they'll, it'll be listed there for them. So it's very cool. And I think it's going to make it a lot easier for organizations to do internal apps as well as for B2B app development for people that if, if it's not a for for private apps, this is going to make it a lot easier, I think, than because before you'd have to use these enterprise mechanism, and that has a whole host of potential problems with it. But now you're able to do this, use the App Store infrastructure, distribute it, and uh, you're good. You still go through App Review, though. I saw <laughs> they still make you go through App Review. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm pretty sure I remember them saying, you know, after you go through review, it'll be available in here. I'm like, why do you go through review if I'm 
building an app that's only for use privately by some other company and they're they're never gonna it's never gonna go public like why why do i need to go through app review i don't know app review it's just like they think they they put app review everywhere whatever um but it's cool because it, uh oh i think the system also lets you use test flight and stuff in there so that's that's beneficial too anyway very cool the the explanation of the different distribution scenarios is useful and then this whole thing about the new custom app mechanism availability is is awesome so i really am I'm interested with that and then the last thing i saw today was modernizing your ui for ios 13 and there's actually a lot of good stuff in there i'm gonna to have to refer to this talk multiple times i try to update uh, my day job app but two things that really stuck out to me is number one the deprecation of 3d uh touch apis a peak and pop because they're replacing that with a whole brand new context menu system which is amazing. So if you ever use 3D Touch, you would say on a photo, you would press down on your phone and the photo would kind of pop up, but then you would just, you wouldn't see anything. But if you, if you kind of swiped up while you were still holding that gesture, which is as awkward as it sounds, then you would see some buttons of options you could perform. But it was a very simplified type of, uh, of buttons. You couldn't do a lot with it. But now they're deprecating that in this context menu system. So if you have 3D Touch, it'll activate with 3D Touch. If you don't have 3D Touch, it'll activate with a long press. And if you're if you're if it's on a Mac, like you're using Catalyst to port your iPad app over, it'll activate as appropriate on the Mac, like with a right click on the mouse. Anyway, you'll you press down, and now your photo will pop up as a little preview. But then underneath of it, or to the side of it, depending on your you know device screen and orientation, you'll see the actual context menu. And the context menu can have glyphs in it, like little icons, and it can be anything you want in there. And you can arrange them anything you, any way you want. You can group them together. So imagine the context menu system on the menu bar of a Mac app. You know, you go over to edit and you see those items there and then some of them might have sub-menus. You can even do sub-menus on iOS now too. Very, very, very cool. And I think it's going to allow you to... Oh, and I think you can even do keyboard shortcuts on there. So if you have like an iPad with a keyboard, you can do them. But it's going to let uh, developers put a lot more powerful features into uh, iOS apps. And it's especially important if you're porting to Mac because... The expectation on the Mac is that basically everything has a context menu, so you're going to want to implement that stuff. But I, I think it's really cool. It's going to make it actually makes it much more discoverable as well. When you, the 3D touch options were never discoverable, and now it's going to be kind of universal, so that if they're available, you'll be able to access them on any device the way they kind of expect, either pushing or tap and hold. And then it'll immediately tell you what you can do, which is really cool. Maybe people actually use this feature. I hope so, because I like the the limited context menu stuff we have now. This looks amazing. So that was the last one I saw. <clears throat> and the, the other the other thing in there that was, that was particularly interesting is how all the modals now, by default, look like cards. They have this card metaphor, and they talk about that and how to use it. And one of the cool things about it is that it, when it shows up as a card, they put a gesture recognizer over top of your entire screen so that when you touch in a non-interactive area and the user would kind of um, swipe down in that area, it'll pull the entire card down so that you can actually pull the dismiss, which is a great thing because often in modals, one of the problems is that dismiss button is like all the way at the top of the screen. And, and if you have a device, like a large device, for instance, that can be really awkward to try to reach in certain scenarios. So this way, it makes it much more fluid to use that gesture. And of course, you can just hit the buttons. Otherwise, they still need to be there. Uh, and if you don't, if the card metaphor is not appropriate for that scenario, you can opt out of it. But apparently, it's a new, the new default. So it looks like anything I'm using a modal for is going to look, like, look like a card. 
by default when I link against iOS 13, so I'm going to have to see what that looks like. Uh, I only just got Xcode running, you know, and today because of all the problems I had with it not wanting to decompress, like, you know, disk space and stuff, so I didn't really try to link anything. I haven't put it on my work machine yet, so I haven't had a chance to try it out with the day job app, but um, yeah, that's going to be definitely a talk. Modernizing your UI for iOS 13 definitely a talk that I'm going to be referring back to multiple times. Uh, so that's uh, that's about it for today. There's a lot of cool stuff tomorrow about data flow through Swift UI. Anything with Swift UI, I'm going to check out. So there's going to be stuff tomorrow about Combine that I want to look at uh, definitely because uh, that is I don't really know much about anything about that. And uh, I think there's some stuff on networking coming up as well. That might be tomorrow as well. Uh, it's either tomorrow or Friday. So there, there's going to be some cool stuff tomorrow. More uh, looks like less flashy stuff, but really useful stuff. So anyway, I've really been enjoying this WWC. I hope you have been too. I'm trying to keep these relatively short, just my kind of personal highlights. Hope you're enjoying them. If you would like your own personal RSS feed of just my WWDC episodes, you can go to the website, dailycronpodcast.com. Go to this particular episode, for instance, and click on it so you get the details screen, you know, and then there will be some tags like Apple and WWDC. Click one of those tags and you'll see an option to uh, get a customized RSS feed which is very, very cool. So if you just want that. But I suggest you subscribe to all my podcast episodes because I think they're pretty good if you don't already subscribe. But, you know, you do you. It's all good. Uh, anyway, I uh, am going to, I guess, get to bed because it's getting late now. And more DC action tomorrow. This has just been such a phenomenal uh, WWDC. i just having so much fun. I hope I hope you are too. Uh, if you haven't had a chance, make sure you get the Xcode 11 and start playing around with some stuff because this is the future of Apple's development, uh, Apple, Apple, uh, you know, platforms. It's like the whole world has changed now out from under us. And while it may not be the norm, even like for all, all we won't, may not be using Swift UI exclusively anytime soon, uh, because it only works on iOS 13 and such, but it's definitely going to be future a year from now, two years from now, definitely. Everything is, I think, going to be in these, using these new frameworks very heavily. And, and Swift is here to stay for sure. And uh, yeah, so I feel like I'm back at square one in a lot of ways for, uh, for iOS development. And it's really very exciting. So got two more days left. So, so uh, I'm excited. So stay tuned. That's going to be it for me today for this Daily Cron for Wednesday, June 5th, 2019. Talk to you tomorrow. Later.